Welcome to the Dirtbag Chronicles. My name is Brian. I'm your host. Uh, we are gaining progress now on the next episode. We are so thankful for you following us and liking us and, and helping share this message. Uh, today we have an exciting guest. His name is Sean. And Sean has been in recovery for some time now. So I'm going to kind of let him introduce himself and, and share a little bit of that information. So Sean, tell us how long you've been uh, clean uh, and sober. And uh, tell us a little bit about where your journey has taken you. All right. Uh, so yeah, like you said, I'm Sean. Um, May 7th, 2018 is my sobriety date. Uh, so it's been, you know, if I make it to May... It'll be five years. Uh, so, you know, whenever I came into recovery, you know, I went back into the treatments, the last treatment center, my seventh treatment center. Um, I went back there when I had a year uh, sober and got a job there and got into the field of recovery. And so since then, you know, I've been working in recovery. I'm uh, I'm taking a test on uh, April 5th to become a certified peers recovery supervisor for okay. the state of Arkansas. So uh, the last two years I've been working at the Hot Springs Police Department. First right. ever felon to work at the Hot Springs Police Department. That's uh, what's up. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Respond, you know, <clears throat> responding to overdoses. Uh, every overdose that happened in the city of Hot Springs, you know, I responded to it. They gave me a vehicle and a phone and I'd go to it and just try to help those people, uh, you know, give them resources to try to get into recovery so that they didn't be become another, you know, number on a statistic. Okay. So. Okay. So you said you've been to seven, seven different rehabs. Yeah. So what, what, were those all in the state of Arkansas or were you spread around the United States? No, it was all in Arkansas. Okay. Okay. So, so the first rehab, how old were you when that happened? Uh, I think that was in 2014 or might've been 2012. Okay. So you've been trying this shit for a while. Yeah. All right. All right. So what do you think was it that, uh, that changed when you went to that seventh rehab? Um, well, I think it was an accumulation of, of going to all the other, you know, all the other times okay. and gaining experience each time. Um, the first time that I ever went to the treatment, I just thought opiates is my substance of choice. So um, I thought that if I could get it out of my system for 30 days and not be withdrawn, then I wouldn't use anymore, you know, and yeah. I'd be fine. And that didn't, you know, that obviously didn't work wouldn't because, uh, you know, come to find out later, <clears throat> the substance that I was using, you know, was not the the issue. That wasn't the problem. So without without a substance, you know, I still had the same, you know, the same. I still had me there. So. Yeah. So you would say that you're you were the issue, not the drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was using. I thought that, you know, in the beginning, I thought drugs and alcohol was the problem, and that's what's causing me to you know destroy my life over and over again. But yeah, you know, when you take all that stuff away, I'm still acting the same way. You know, I still have the same mentality. Um, so you know, yeah, it was definitely I was the root of all of the okay. issues there. So. so would you say the rehab gave you the tools? and the resources to change that mentality? Or do you think it just fucking clicked one day and you were like, hey, uh, this is what I need to do now? Or what, what do you think encouraged you to do so during that time? Well, I think it, I think it was a mixture of both. Okay. Um, I had, throughout the time that I was using, you know, I had 14 overdoses where I had to be, I count an overdose as I had to, you know, 
I had to go to the hospital and they had to bring me back to life. So 14, how many of those did you say you had? 14 times 14. where I had to be Narcan Damn. and brought by an ambulance yeah. or something to a hospital. So, um, my dude's been through it. Though. Yeah. All yeah. Right. So, you know, through that, eventually, you know, at, at the first treatment center I ever went into, they told me the same stuff as they told me the, the seventh one, you know, they mm-hmm. all the same information they're giving me, but it's like, it just took me so much experience to be able to actually hold on to right. what they were trying to tell me. Right. Yeah. I've been through several rehabs myself. And like, I think it was like you said, like it was all those times of going to rehab and like paying attention to hearing this and hearing a little bit of that and, and a little bit of this and saying, fuck this, but then yeah. obeying this and then doing this. And so it, eventually it all like comes to make sense to me after being through all those experiences. But yeah, I think a lot of people will be able to relate with that. So uh, you mentioned something about uh, peer support supervisor and and working for for the state and, and going and uh, responding to overdoses. That's got to be kind of a scary job, actually showing up to somebody that just overdosed and dealing with the the tr- the trauma with the family and them not understanding what is like something that you would uh, do for these people to help them uh, understand like that addiction is a disease and that that there is hope in that end of the tunnel? Yeah, well, just being <clears throat> just the fact that of me being there, you know, helps because I'm able to, you know, that there's people are scared, you know, they just overdose. Now there's cops asking them questions. They're like, yeah. where'd you get your stuff? You know, yeah. and they're like, yeah, not wanting to talk know. to you. Yeah. And then I show up and I have tattoos down in my fingers, you yeah. know, and I'm like, hey. I've been through this, man. I know, you know, and I'm, I'll be like, I don't have no questions to ask you. You don't need to answer nothing to me. I'm just here to try to help you yeah. if you want help, you know, and just like that alone, you know, it helps people. And th- there was times where over the last two years where the in, the detective that I work with would be like, they're not talking. They don't want to talk, man. They're good. They, yeah. They're saying that, you know, they don't want to talk. And then I'd get there. Yeah. Talk to him for a few minutes. And then they're telling me their whole life story. You know, right. and he's like, what did you say to him? I was like. I just told them I've been through the same stuff, you know? Yeah. So so they were able to relate with that. And then it just kind of gave them a sense of comfort. Like, okay, well, he must know what we're going through because he's been through the same shit. And that's really the, 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 the main goal of a peer support, right? Is to show that you've been through it and be able to sit down and look at them eye to eye instead of like an authority over them and, and just be there to comfort them and give them tools and resources. Now, would you say that that's something that you've always done naturally, or do you think that came along after the addiction and living that experience and, and figuring out that that's something that you wanted to do? Cause you don't look at this like a job, do you? No, nah, I mean, not really. I mean, obviously I make a, you know, I get paid right. to do it, but it, it is, you know, for me, the, the recovery pathway that I chose was a 12 step program. Mm-hmm. So that's how that works. You know, that's how recovery has been working since 1935 is somebody that's dealt with it, helps somebody else. Right. So, you know, I'm doing it for a living, but it's kind of how recovery works anyway. So, yeah. Okay. And you say you worked the 12 step program. Was that a challenge to like surrender to and accept that you had to work a program? Uh, no, because it would have been if I tried it in the first treatment center. Yeah. Cause I didn't think I needed to do, right. it, you know, but, uh, by the, by this time after the seventh trip, 
I was like, just, I knew that I've tried everything, you know? Yep. So I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to listen to people that, that, you know, and whatever the hell they did, that's what I'm going to do. So right. it was pretty easy at that point, just because I've done put myself through so much, you know? Okay. Okay. So, you know, this, the name of this podcast is the Dirtbag Chronicles. Um, is there a particular dirtbag story that you can remember that you went through where you came now that you can look back at it and be like, dude, that was fucking shady as fuck on my part. And then like, that was a total dirtbag. Like what, what, what are some of those experiences? And the only reason I want to ask you that is because I really feel that there are people that are going to watch this show and then be like, and they're going to be able to relate with that. And then they're going to get a sense of hope because clearly you're working, uh, you, you were working at the, the police station, first felon ever. You're, you're a drug addict, right? Mm -hmm. And, and you have the same background that somebody su that's suffering with right now. So I want them, I want you to share uh, some of those experiences so that somebody else can relate to that and, and understand that there is light at the end of the tunnel. So if there's a story that you would like to share uh, about one of those experiences, please do. Man, I have, uh, <clears throat> it's probably a, a lot of the same stuff a lot of other people have been through, but, uh, you know, the biggest things aside from like when I'm out using, you know, with other people that are using and there's the, there's a lot of like m manipulation and, you know, you know, taking this, this dude gives me his money, you know, to get some stuff and yeah. then he never gets his stuff. But there's times like with my family that, you know, I always would bounce back to my aunt's house, you know, when I was in addiction, I'd show up with uh, this beat up old laundry basket and they'd freak out because they'd be like, oh my God, Sean's trying to stay here again. <laughs> and there's there's been times, you know, where I was staying there with them and, you know, they're letting me stay there and I was sick and I knew my aunt had like $40 in her, per, you know, in her purse and she needed it for the gas bill. But I was like, oh, I can get some H with that, yeah. you know? And so I'd go into her purse and take her money, you know, and that was her, like her gas bill money. So, um, that really fucked up trust there. Yeah. And it sounds like your aunt was probably one of your only support systems too. I mean, if you're taking a laundry basket of dirty clothes and she's letting you come over there when she knows you're a fucking dirt bag, yeah. You know, and she trusted you a little bit to let you in her house and then do some shit like that. And it's mm -hmm. like, fuck you, you know, Sean, you're, you're an asshole. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so with the, uh, I want to kind of hit back on the overdoses. Like that's a serious, serious thing. And I think in episode one, I went over, uh, the overdose statistics and that somebody overdoses and dies. I think it was like, what, well, I might have to look that up, but I think it was like 275 people every hour or every day, every day. And like that, that's fucking scary. The last two I mean, years we had, we had over a hundred thousand overdose deaths yeah. in, in the country for the first time in history, we got that high. So do you think that's mainly, I wonder, I also want to know if that is mainly caused by fentanyl yeah it is and like i've seen working at the police department there's been people there's been <clears throat> overdose deaths where we'd respond to it and the police would do their you know investigative work and they'd come to find out like this guy only used cocaine ever you yeah. know he didn't do 
opiates. But then they find out there's, you know, they test, they find some cocaine at his house or whatever, test it, there's fentanyl in it. Same thing with meth. There's people, all they ever used was meth. So everybody's like, I don't know how he died, yeah. you know, and there's fentanyl in it. So yeah. there's like fentanyl just in everything. They got pills, you know, that look just like, yeah. you know, you'd never tell the difference between that and a Roxy, yeah. but it's fentanyl pressed. So. Yeah, I was, uh, I went to go get my haircut the other day and uh, they were telling me that they had uh, taken a Xanax bar and and they looked it up and it looked all legit and everything but and they took it and then a couple hours later their significant other walked in and they were laying on the floor overdosing and it was fucking fentanyl and uh that's fucking scary i think that's something that that motivates me to stay clean and not even try to like dabble in it anymore because everything is just fucking cut or, or it's just, you know, because fentanyl is cheap. And so motherfuckers that are selling it, they're like, they don't care, you know, because mm-hmm. that's, that's that dirtbag mentality. I mean, I know I've done the same shit, like sold, told them that it was something, sold them something totally different. Yeah. And because I didn't give a fuck what happened to them. Instead, I just wanted the money so I could go get my real shit and get my high and get yeah. my fix, you know. And uh, <clears throat> I was watching a video on social media uh, it was, uh, boozy and he was telling, he was like, he was talking to somebody in an interview. We'll probably have to pull this video up and show this. Uh, but, uh, boozy was talking about, uh, go back to smoking crack because fentanyl is killing everybody. If you guys would just go back to being crackheads, we'll say it'll save all these lives. Yeah. And that sounds good and shit, but like, now that we're having this discussion, the crack and the coke and everything else, it's all laced with fentanyl. Mm-hmm. And like, man, you could be a crackhead all your life and go back to smoking crack and still get the fucking fentanyl overdose yeah. and your life is over. And, you know, <clears throat> I've heard this throughout going to rehab and and other uh, meetings and stuff like that that I've been to. And um, they just they they talk about like you know, going out and using one more time, just go use one more time, go use one more time. But man, that shit, go use that one last time. And, and then, you know, people that are, that are drugging and, and using alcohol, but I'm mainly talking about the drugs is that we are scared to live, not scared to die, you know? And like, so our life is kind of just, we don't give a fuck when we're getting high. Instead, we're, we're kind of hoping that the fucking drugs kill us. Right. You know, I mean, I know I've been there personally, like, fuck man, I'm, if I do it, I'm, I'm just going to do a big shot and I'm going to be out and it's over with. But what that really starts to affect are the families because, you know, our families, they, they love us unconditionally. For, uh, fortunately, you know, and unfortunately, because they got to go through all this shit for us to try to get clean. And then we put them through all this suffering. But it's like, man, if we don't respect our own lives, let's try to respect the lives of our family and their and their feelings and their emotions and the shit that we'll put them through if we do go out and use again and fucking overdose. Uh, it's sad, man. It's fucking sad as fuck because these people that care about us, they are suffering just as bad as we are as addicts. You know, I heard something, uh, in recovery, everything that you hear is like, you heard it from somebody else, you know, but I heard somebody say that they never, have you ever heard this? They said, I never suffered from addiction. 
until I got sober. Yeah. Or until I got clean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, that, and that's absolutely. like what you're talking about because yeah. y- you find out that that's not what was making you suffer, you know? Right. Yeah, it's we are making ourselves suffer yeah. too. Yeah. And then you're able to, you know, in recovery, you, you kind of get down to the bottom of, of all of those things and start being able to fix those things. And then you don't need to get high anymore, right. you know? Right. You know, I'm, I'm working, I'm doing step work right now and <clears throat> like we all are probably, but you know, uh, I had to answer a question this morning is like, how is my addiction manifesting in my life daily now that I'm, now that I'm clean and, and like, what, 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 how is this, how is this addiction continuing to manifest? And this morning I was like overthinking that shit. I was like, well, fuck, I don't know. Like, how how is it? You know? And then I was talking to somebody else and they were like, well, fuck it. Manifests in all kinds of different ways. Like I'm a fucking gambling addict. You know, I don't know if you know some of my story, but like gambling is a motherfucker. And then, you know, and I also think about like an alcoholic, I'm, I'm an alcoholic but I was like a binger. I was a like, I would go on binges. Like I didn't, I don't, I don't think I ever uh, woke up and was like, Oh, I got to fucking have a drink. You know, I never experienced that part of alcoholism, but they make that shit so available too. like the casino here or the casino anywhere. Like I drive by and I'm like, fuck, man, I just want to, you know, it was St. Patrick's day and they had these big signs. I was like, today's my lucky day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like, it's still, it's fucking hard to stay clean from all those addictions, all the unhealthy addictions, like, cause it just continues to manifest in every way of my life. And it's a fight, you know, it's fucking getting clean and getting, getting away from that addiction and, and choosing something else. Uh, you have to find some kind of purpose. And, um, you know, for you, this 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 career field that you've chosen uh or do you think that you chose that career field or do you think that career field kind of chose you yeah probably you know probably maybe a little bit of both but definitely that job that i've had for the last two years at the police department i didn't even know you know they somebody called me and was like hey this job will be perfect for you and it just so happens that it's they need somebody to respond to overdoses to try to bring the number of overdoses in hot springs down so do you think that so like purpose is what is, is helping me keep help keeping me clean as well. And do you think that that is your purpose or do you think there's a greater purpose than just helping others? Yeah, I think, it, I think it's more to it than in the beginning it was that it was just, you know, and that's how recovery works. You, you're just helping this guy. Yeah. Um, now getting into what it, what I do, you know, uh, there, there's like a bigger picture of it, you know, like with stigma, you know, mm-hmm. and people, people looking down, you know, and people are scared to go ask for help because they're, you know, the whole society looks at them horrible and yeah. being able to try to fight that on a bigger scale to me is, yeah. is a big deal. And then you're able to take somebody like me who was stealing my aunt's gas money, you know, gas bill money five years ago. And now like people ask me, you know, to come and speak at events and teach them stuff. You know, like last October, I spoke at a conference in Dallas um, I'm going, well, I'm not speaking at this one, but I'm about to go to one in Pensacola beach, uh, next week. So, okay. I, you know, I, I am speaking at a conference here, uh, in September in Arkansas on peer supervision, but okay. so there's a lot of, 
there's a lot of it's just we it's weird if you if you'd known me five years ago that dude with the laundry basket to the guy now where people are like hey we'll fly you down here to speak at this conference right. it's that's insane <laughs> you know yeah and so that that is fucking insane but it's a sense of hope too like because for for me you know i i saw two people that had changed their life tremendously and when i saw that they could do it and saw the end results of what they were doing with that change yeah. it motivated me to want the same thing so like the people, you know, they, they, they preach this in recovery is you have to change your people, places and things. And so I, you know, out of all the times I've been through rehab and, and jail and prison, it never really started to make sense until like I actually saw two people that I looked up to mm-hmm. and was like, fuck man, they, those are the kind of people that I have to be around, yeah. it, you know, and, and I can't be around People that are just fucking kicking it, hanging out, bored, not doing shit with their life because that's, you know, that's their purpose in life. But when you surround yourself with people like yourself that have a purpose that are that are are driven every morning to get up to do something with that experience and not just waste that experience, you start to find people that you you want to surround yourself with and you're just like fuck man that's what i want that's what i want to do and and i can do it because that fucking dirtbag right there is fucking doing it you know what i'm saying and that's what really is helping keep me clean and sober is the people that i surround myself with like people like yourself and so you know because you're you're not some superhero are you no, like you're you're not some fucking magician. You like fucking drank some special water or something, and we're I, able to get these results. Yeah, I just listened to some other dude that did it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was like the simple secret to it all. Just fucking copy and paste. Like yeah. we don't have to reinvent this fucking wheel of be getting clean or or staying clean. Like you just find somebody that is, has done it, that is doing it and that continues to make progress and growth in their life in that area. And then just copy what the fuck they do. And, you know, as addicts and, and as a felon, it's fucking hard to surrender to other people and listen to what they have to say. But so with that being said, do, is there somebody that that was in your life that you were like that you had that same kind of epiphany with where you were like, this motherfucker's got it. Like, I, I need to pay close attention to that. And so is there, is there was there a person in your life like that? And if so, like, what was it that you saw in them besides just being clean that that made you want what they had? Well, there, there's been a, a few different people like that since, you know, in my recovery. In the beginning, when I, when I started out five years ago, my biggest goal in life was to get my driver's license. Fuck yeah, that's a lot of people's. Yeah, and I thought if I yeah. did that, man, I was fucking in there, there you know. Yeah. And I didn't even know that that was the littlest accomplishment right. I would make, you know. And so, like, when I saw somebody that had their driver's license and a nice car and they had their own house, I was like, hey, hey, I want, you know. Yeah. And then that evolves over time. You know, that you start, I started being able to get those things way quicker than I thought I would, you know, yeah. I have a driver's license, a car <clears throat> and renting my own place within a year, 
you know, of recovery. I I thought it'd take me 10 years to do all that, you know? So then, you know, as time goes on, then, you know, I'm starting to, you know, and I surrounded myself with people like that, people in recovery, uh, my sponsor, you know, other people that had more recovery than me, you know, more, a little more wisdom than me is who I kind of hung around. Um, when I was in, I stayed in a recovery home, you know, Kim free when I got out of treatment and the 12 step program that I chose to go with was different than everybody else's, you know? Uh, so you know, some people think that, oh, you know, each one is based off of a substance, but, you know, neither one of them are based off right. of a substance. So I chose the one where there's all these boring old guys that have boats and shit, yeah. you know, because I want to be a boring old guy yeah. with a boat one day, yeah. you know. So that's the one that I went to. And I started, you know, being around those kind of people. I started figuring out that that my long term goals were actually short term goals, you know. And uh, I thought like one, you know. Two or three years ago, I was like, all right, within 10 years, I want to be able to buy a house, you know, mm-hmm. and five years ago, you'd never convinced me I'd ever be able to buy a house, you know. Right. And now on April 3rd, I'm getting the keys to my first house. That's that I'm what's buying. up. Congratulations, so, man. Yeah. And then and then like the question you asked, you know, what are, what are things about those people is I started seeing that people like me who have been through what I've been through can start making a real impact, you know, in this in the state of Arkansas, not just like in my city yeah. or, or with my people. And I saw, you know, laws were changing, you know, yep. where felons could work at a police department, and, you know, all yeah, that that's stuff. incredible. And all that comes from a guy uh, who's in recovery, you know, and yeah. he's been to prison, you yeah. know, a billion times. And, you know, he's working in a state position now, you know, and right. so stuff like that, you know, all that, you know, you we have a purpose for what we're doing and we were able to turn our past, you know, into a purpose. Yeah. Um, but the purpose is we're able to give hopeless people hope, you know, Yeah. where, cause there was a time where I, I mean, I was shocked that I'd get a driver's license, you know, so I had yeah. no hope back then, you yeah. know, and just, just looking around at other people was able to give me hope and make me kind of convince me that I could do some of those things. Yeah. So. There's a, you know, getting a fucking driver's license is a, it, to somebody that hasn't had one yeah. in 10, 15, 20 years, or that's never had one, or even somebody that lost it last year because of the DWI and they're just swamped in, in fines and fees and yeah. classes. And it's like, dude, this, it's never going to happen. Yeah. But if, if you, you know, and that's kind of what your, your job is too, is to kind of give them those resources to be like, okay, this is Make what we got to do. Yeah. yeah. And that's incredible that like, the 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 state actually recognizes that uh active addicts or recovering addicts actually need that resource and they you're like okay well fuck it well we're gonna we're gonna make sure that there's enough money to pay somebody to actually be that resource to go out and and not not feel like it's the police trying to to be over them and tell them what to do or anything because you're just you're just one a regular dude that just wants to help and and you just have a good relationship with the police where you can get things done and push for people to to have shit go forward for them Mm -hmm. and um you know, I'm I'm going to be starting my peer support training this next week, which I'm really excited about because, uh, you know, that that's this is where I found my purpose as well. And like I do this podcast <clears throat> uh, because it's a it's a purpose that I found, not the podcast necessarily as a purpose, but 
sharing this message with others, uh, making it a, a source for others to to be able to relate to my struggle and and guess that I have your struggle, uh, and being able to hear that and and relate to the the bullshit and the dirtbag lifestyle that we were so caught up in, and now we have use that like we get to use that experience to to give them now and 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 that's like the most powerful thing that i found and because i found that like i found my purpose to share that with others and so becoming going into this uh peer support training and and being able to give that to others it just adds to my purpose i wouldn't say that it's necessarily my exact purpose but it adds to the purpose that's going to give me that drive and it's also going to hold me like accountable to stay clean and and stay sober and stay in my program because you know that's something that I understand as well and I'm sure you kind of understand this too if we quit working that program or or if we quit working on ourselves and trying to figure that out then we're just going to like be be stagnant we're going to be dead spiritually and we're not going to grow and then we're not going to be able to live out that purpose so it just all lines up now would you say that the 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 program that you're working what what would you say that the most valuable part of that program is um it helps it helped me to discover what the problem was cuz that's you know i didn't i had no idea i right. was i didn't know what was going on why i did this so it helped me kind of discover what the problem was and being able to know what the problem is to something is how you figure out what the solution is yeah and for me i mean there's all sorts of different uh, solutions uh, for addiction and alcoholism, different ways that people get into recovery. Mm-hmm. For me, though, they had a solution that worked for me. Yeah. So that that that's like the best part of it for me is is being able to uh, figure out what a solution is to why I acted the way I acted and how to stop acting that way. And I'm sure that you just saw that the solution that solution was a good solution because it worked for somebody else. Yeah. Like so, like <clears throat> I had this problem for a while, you know, like. I'm a little over 24 months clean now and, and I'm, I just started working the program, but, uh, like, like full heartedly giving it my all really diving into it. Like I've dove into a little bit of the program here and a little bit of there. It's kind of like how we go to rehab so many times and then we, we relapse and we go back, but like, I didn't believe, like, I was like, oh no, the program ain't for me. You know, oh, no, it's just not for me. Like, I understand that it works for some other people, but no, it's not for me. Did you ever have that that thinking as well? Like, well, like there was a a different way that you could do it. Yeah, that's probably why I went to treatment seven different times. You know, I always thought because, you know, they would tell me, you know, get a sponsor, work the steps, you know, do all this. And I'd be like, I don't need to do any of that. I just needed I just need to get out of the system for, you know, a month or. I'd be like, uh, I'm just going to switch to this. Like I didn't, like I always told myself I didn't have a problem with alcohol, you know, because yeah. I never just, I'm not like a person who was like shaking and withdrawn because of alcohol. Right. You know, so I would always be like, all right, I'm going to go to rehab, get all these substances away and I'm just going to drink because I don't have a problem with alcohol. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered that I have a problem with anything that does that to me. Right. So, uh, yeah, there was, I had to, I mean, I tried to, half of the, Half of the uh, ways that you could try to get sober or clean out there, I invented. 
So <laughs> come on. And they didn't work for yeah. me. So <laughs> Yeah. So and you know, uh my first guest that I had on the podcast, his name was Aaron. And he said something that like really, really stuck with me. And I think about this all the time. And <clears throat> what it was was like he realized he was an addict because when he was young, he would try to change the effect of how he felt by uh, like closing his eyes and spinning around in circles and getting dizzy. And he liked it. Is that something that you experienced as well as a child? Well, yeah, I actually did that exact same thing. And I have a now right here on my thumb, there's a scar and my bone like pops out like that because uh, when I was like 10 years old, I did that. Yeah. And I looked up to this guy, closed my eyes and started spinning real fast. And then I started like running across some concrete and yeah. tripped and fell and my broke this bone out of my skin, you know, like, <laughs> oh, but yeah, I used to do that exact yeah. same thing. It was stupid, but you know, I'd run inside. I was bleeding. And my grandpa was like, dumbass, you know, <laughs> you're going to have to take you to the hospital. But yeah, I did that exact yeah. same stuff. And why else would I be out there just spinning to make myself dizzy right. other than it felt cool? Yeah, it know? felt good. I remember when uh, I was a kid, uh, <laughs> I don't know how I remember this. It was just us talking right now. But like I used to take my hair and I would put it in the electric outlet just to electrocute myself. <laughs> and it was like, oh, it's like, oh. And then I would step back and I'd be like, oh, that felt fucking good. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> fucking idiot, you know? But uh, yeah, I would find myself trying to change the way that I feel all the time. And, you know, I fought, I fought it too. I don't know if you did this, but like, I was like, no, I'm not an addict. You know, I'm... I'm not an addict. What are you talking about? Like, and and I fought that. And like, now that I look back at it, I'm like, what a fucking idiot. Like, I was I was the last person to know. Yeah. Because like, I, <laughs> yeah. Because like, Come when on. I went to uh, yeah. go tell my family, you know, I got this problem and I want to go to rehab. That yeah, I was like, look, I've been using <laughs> drugs and I'm having trouble. So they're like, thank God you're admitting it. <laughs> I'm like, how did yeah. you guys knew about this? And they're like, yeah, everybody knows about it. And I'm like, well, hell, I just realized it. Yeah. It's crazy how, like, from the outside looking in, you can be like, dude, is about to, like, just hit rock bottom. Yeah. But that's part of that process, too. You've got to allow people to go into their suffering and and go through all that trauma and lose everything and hit that rock bottom so that you, because <clears throat> nobody can get you clean. Nobody can make you get sober. Nobody can make you do anything you have to have that for yourself and that and like that's it's all about what happens with you and and where you decide to go with that um you know i i've heard a lot of people say i'm going to get clean so i can be a father and and because my kids need me to be clean that doesn't fucking work does it it doesn't ever work like that and uh so like i encourage anybody that's watching if you're trying to get clean and sober for somebody else, it's not going to fucking happen. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. But the moment that you realize that you want to be clean because you're tired of it and that you want a different result, then then we can, then you can start changing that desire and, and, and focusing on something different for you, for life that you are experiencing. Um <clears throat> 
I want to hit on uh, a few other things. Like I want to go back to some of these overdoses that you, because there's, there's a bad drug drug problem here in hot springs, uh, just like there is anywhere. But like I've, this is where I did most of my dirtbag shit was right here in hot springs. And the people here are fucking crazy as fuck. Like it's, yeah. yeah I mean, I've never seen it like here, like anywhere else. And I've been all over the United States. Like there are some real dirt bags here. What it was some, what is like, I want you to give me an example of like one of the, the most memorable experiences that you dealt with in that field and going to deal with that. Well, it's been, um, there, there was a couple, there's a lot of times where I've seen, death you know where somebody dies from an overdose but there was uh two two thanksgivings ago there was this girl who overdosed they called me at like it was like 8 30 at night like the day before thanksgiving like hey this girl overdosed can you respond so you know i went to the hospital and went in there and talked to her you know and she's she, she talks to me for a minute she starts crying she's got her boyfriend you know who's out there trying to act like he don't know what's going on mm-hmm. and you know he's the source you know but so, yeah, I talked to him and I was like, "What? Well, you know what? She's going to die, man. Like she if she does this again, she may not be able to make it because uh, when she overdosed, it was in a parking lot of Sutherland's. And, you know, they were scared to call the cops. So they ended up having to call somebody else that had Narcan to come, you know, give her Narcan. And then they ended up calling an ambulance. She the woman with the Narcan did because they were like, you can't get in trouble for it. You know? Yeah. So I was like, if this happens again, man, she's not going to you know, wake up and he was just in denial. He's like, well, you know, I don't, you know, we, we've been clean. Scared. Yeah. He's like, we've been clean. We just used just once, you know? And I'm like, well, me too. Yeah. I'm (laughs) like, okay. But, but I'm just letting you know, you know, if you guys do this again, one, either you or her may not, you know, make it out of that. So I was like, you should, you should think about that. You know, and, and ask him, does he, you know, ha, have you thought about just trying to get clean again? Because he said he'd been in treatment. And he's like, no, he's like, I'm not going to use no more, you know. So, and I talked to her and she starts crying, you know, and talking about the, all this stuff. And she's like, yeah, she's like, I do want to go to treatment. So I was like, okay. So I was like, stay here at the hospital, let them take care of you. And when you leave uh, tomorrow, you know, I'll get you in a treatment center, right? So uh, she ends up, uh, leaving, you know, against medical advice, like right after I left with him. And then the next day we had to go to a house and get her body out of the house. And oh that dude God. was there, you know, crying. He's like, I don't know what I was like, man, I just talked to you guys last night, you know? Yeah. But that, that was a, that was a big, you know, that sucks when you go in and you talk to somebody and they're like, yeah, I want to go. And then the next day they're dead. And I mean, it's possible that she may not have even used any more, any more stuff you know once that narcan wears off you know you can go right back into an overdose so yeah uh it's possible that that happened but it sucks you know when stuff like that and then i kept working on the guy you know trying to be like hey you yeah know, you want to go to treatment um he never went no and, yeah. and a lot of times and i will say this uh <clears throat> we, we've been able to change i don't know it's not like my fault or anything but we you know since i've been there we've been able to change the number of overdoses like drastically in the city of hot springs okay that's Um, good news yeah but but still when when you know the people that overdose those are the least likely at that moment 
to actually be able to help them, you know, because yeah. they're usually just like sick and, you know, yeah. they're withdrawn yeah. off the Narcan and they just want to go back and use again. Right. And a lot of times you go plant a seed like with her. She was like, yeah, I want to I'll go tomorrow. You know, usually that don't happen. But I would plant a seed, you know, and give them a card. It's got my phone number on it. And then like three weeks later, they'll call me and be like, hey, I want to go to treatment now. Yeah. So that was the cool thing about it. But it it, it always sucked, you know, and then. I don't, I'm not going to keep going into other stories, but it always sucks when you when you go out and, and then somebody dies. But yeah, you, would you say that you get emotionally attached to that, or is that something that you have learned? I'm sure you did at first, but like now you've learned to just kind of understand that an addict's going to be an active addict is going to be an active addict, and there's nothing that you can really do. Like we were just talking about earlier, like you have to, they have to make that decision for themselves, but still like, you know, I know that I have a, a huge heart and I, it's going to be hard for me in this field to not be emotionally attached, but like, what, what are, what is something that you do to keep yourself from being so emotionally involved in that? Well, for me, and I think you'll discover this for yourself, I got to a point where I had to be careful not not to become too calloused almost, you know, because you, you see this so much, so much, so much. Yeah. It starts getting to where almost like there's no reaction anymore, you know. Yeah. So I, I've had to kind of make sure that I don't get too, you know, detached from it. Right. So, you know, in the beginning, you know, it, it was pretty hard. But now I try not to... Uh, put any expectations on somebody you know that's the best way to do it is if i'm working with somebody who's using i have no expectations on them right so then whatever they do they're not going to disappoint me or make me happy it's just it's them it's on them and whatever they do is is what they're going to be able to do you know okay okay well um real quick i want to take a moment and uh i want to thank everybody uh for your support and and helping uh, us get started on this, you know, we're we're in such the beginning process of of this podcast and this production. Uh, but I, right now, like, I want to give a huge shout out to uh, all of our fans and and our listeners and everybody that is uh, supporting this in any way, whether you're just listening to it. Uh, whether you're sharing it, whether you're liking our YouTube channel, our Instagram, our Facebook page, our TikTok, uh, whatever platform you're following this on, we appreciate you. And we have we want to just make a huge shout out to you uh, for doing what you're doing. And and we um, we ask that you continue to show that support and share this content because we can't make this happen without you. Uh, Another uh, shout out that I want to do is to Indie Studios. Uh, Man, they are doing an incredible job. Uh, Not only um, do I have a, a professional relationship with them, but it's also personal. And uh, they are growing uh, so much right now. And it's so exciting to see you guys uh, do what you're doing uh, in the music world, in the podcast world uh, and everything. So huge shout out to you guys. Uh, we, we love you and, and we're so thankful for you. Another shout out is uh, to our social media content creator. Uh, thank you, Bailey, because you have 
really uh, set the pace for us to grow and and just made things happen for us. So thank you for your support and all of your creativity and and everything that you're doing. So huge shout out to you. We love you. And um, <clears throat> anybody else uh, that that's out there that um, that we don't know about, but you're watching, uh, you know, I, here lately I've heard uh, I've heard people talking about, yeah, I was uh, over at some so-and-so's house and and I thought they were listening to some other podcast and then it was your podcast. And so I, I want to give you my love uh, today and, and give that shout out to you. Uh, so thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> so to kind of wrap up things here, uh, you know, it's it's really exciting to have you on this show because you know you're going to be somebody that that I'm going to be looking at and and have you mentor me uh, so that I can do the most and and be successful in this line of career. So it's it's uh it's thrilling to have you on the show and kind of hear about your experiences and and understand what you're doing has purpose and what you're doing you're passionate about uh, because. I, you know, I'm very passionate about this, this area of people's lives as well, because I understand how fucked up addiction can be. And I understand what it can do to somebody, not because I've heard other people tell that story, but because I've lived the experience myself, you know, I've wrecked everything in my life. And it sounds like you've done the same thing. I mean, 14 fucking overdoses, that's incredible. You know, that's, and, and you're, you were an opiate addict. You know, I, I was never too much of an opiate addict, but don't get it twisted. Like, oh, I'm a fucking drug addict. Like, if there was heroin there, I'm fucking shooting heroin. If there was pills to be popped, I'm no matter what what the effect was that I, I didn't like or did like, I was taking it because it was a drug. Um, so I'm um, thank you for coming on the show and and kind of just sharing a little bit of that information with us and and hopefully that there's somebody out there that can hear it and see the progress that you've made in your life now and where you came from and probably somebody out there that knows you that's like dude is a living testimony of what recovery can do for somebody. So there is hope out there. Um <clears throat> what is some advice or do you have any advice for somebody that's out there that's watching that's suffering from addiction right now? Yeah, I would say just, uh, you know, find somebody that's, you know, been through the same stuff and, you know, just ask them what they did and listen to them. Do you know, what they fucking don't do. Don't argue yeah. with them because they know. I used to do that. Uh, like in, early in recovery, my sponsor would be like, you know, I want you to make your bed every day. Yeah, you know, I'd be like, "What the hell does that got to do with keeping me sober?" And he's like, "You don't know shit about what's what's going to keep you sober. Right. So make your bed." <laughs> right. So, would you say that you listened and you do make your bed every day? Now I don't, but yeah. <laughs> at the time, at that time, yes. Yeah. Like my my first like two years, I made my bed after that conversation with him. Yeah. Now I've kind of gotten nowhere. Yeah. You know? But I do other things that help me stay sober now. So yeah. Well, good. Uh, so so we're talking about like the most important piece of, uh, uh, or suggestion that we can give you on this show is find somebody that you can look up to that has something that you want, uh, 
And, and, and whether that's a car or a house or driver's license or, driver's license or, or, or a salary or a job or a family or whatever that is, find something that you can relate to to that person and then ask them, hey, bro, or hey, girlfriend, how did you get that? Like, what did you do to get to that position in your life? And then when they tell you, don't just hear it, listen to them, and then apply whatever they tell you to do. Surrender to that that process and be like, okay, well, th- this is what that person did. This is what I'm going to do. This is what they're telling me to do. This is what I want to do, but I'm not going to do that. So follow their instructions. But you have to find that person. You have to surround yourself with those people that have what you want. Yeah. You know, you, you have, you have to, like, there's, there's no other way around it. There's not, there's not some loophole that you can jump through. There's not some portal that you can go from this part of your life into the fucking next part of your life. And there's everything be better. Like you have to put in the work. You have to learn to obey. You have to surrender and everything else will fall in place because like we were talking earlier, like getting our driver's license, that was a big fucking deal. Yeah. Now we're like, I've got a driver's license, so that's really not that big of a deal. Well, and it's funny because yeah, at the time I'd tell people like, "Hey, I got my driver's license." They're like, "So? Yeah, who gives a fuck? Your driver's license? How old are you? Yeah, (laughs) and then and then a car. You know, like uh, you you might not have a car right now, and that's a that's a goal to set for yourself and find somebody that's that has a fucking car, and then ask them what they did to get that car. But then when you get that car. Continue to look for shit that other people have in recovery that you want, like clean time. And then people or, will yeah. start people will start asking you, yeah, how'd you do this? And that's what's yeah. fucking crazy. Cause you're like, fuck, I don't even remember that process. Yeah. Like, like how the fuck did I get that? You know, and and uh and then you're like, dude, I just been winging it like yeah. a little baby bird for <laughs> for like all my clean time, and this is how I did it. But uh <clears throat> but trust the process. Um, and know that you're going to have to make yourself uncomfortable to get to a, a level of comfort. Um, you're going to have to step outside of your, that comfort zone. You're going to have to put in the fucking work to make things happen. Uh, nothing is just going to come easily until you start getting that routine and, and, and getting that, that, that motion and that flow of things and then opportunities are going to continue to breed opportunities. But, but, uh, so you have any other advice or any suggestions or, or anything that you want to, to give out there? That's it, man. Just, you know, just do what somebody else did. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this wraps up, uh, I think it's episode six now. That's, that's crazy. Like this is the most consistent I've ever been in my life is like doing something every week and then staying on top of it. But, uh, so again, shout out to everybody that is watching, uh, listening. Uh, we are working on getting this, uh, message on more platforms so that you can, that people can find it in different areas instead of on just the simple platforms that we have, but we're growing. We're in the process of making this bigger, but we can't do that without you. Uh, so go to our Facebook page. Uh, I think on our Facebook page, we just hit a hundred likes, 
which isn't a huge deal, but it's a big fucking deal to me because that means that I'm continuing to help people grow and people are getting this message. And that's what's important to me is that uh, this message is being shared and, and people are hearing it. Um, and then we uh, just started the Instagram page. Uh, we're going to be putting a lot of our uh, social media content on that Instagram because we do a lot of pictures, a lot of motivational videos. Uh, and then we have our YouTube channel, uh, the Dirtbag Chronicles podcast. Um, and we, we figured out that, uh, the more shorts that we do people engage. So we're going to start creating a lot more content with that so that the little parts of these messages, because I understand these fucking podcasts can be long as fuck and I can't even pay attention to fucking one little phone call from somebody. So, um, but so, but if you endured a whole hour of our podcast, thank you. Uh, but uh, be sure to like, follow, subscribe, and and share this message because that's that's why we are doing this is to put the message out there so that people that are suffering or that are going through t- uh, times in their their sobriety and clean clean time that you guys have a, a source of hope and and a message to hold on to and that you can see that this does work if you work it uh we love you if you are suffering uh or if you know that somebody uh knows somebody that is suffering please reach out to us you can email us at dirtbag.guest at gmail.com uh or you can message us on facebook instagram leave a comment on one of our youtube videos however you feel comfortable doing so so reach out to us we love you we thank you bye peace support me please fuck (laughs) 